Hello and welcome to the next episode of DDR, a podcast all about your favorite drow, Drizzt Dowerden. My name is Justin, and in this episode we'll be diving deep into part two of Exile, titled Belwar, discussing all of our favorite plot points, characters, and more. And my name is, well, it's Jeffrey, of course. You know, me and Justin are fans of Dungeons & Dragons, so we're going to tear apart this part of the book and see how it relates to the tabletop game, because, you know, I feel like it's always neat to see how fantasy books and the game kind of intersect. Totally. Following along with the show is easy. Just grab a copy of the book, read the next chapter, and tune in every week. But remember, we want to hear your thoughts, too. You can share your dim lights with us at drizdunright at gmail.com. Or, better yet, be part of the ongoing dis discussion on our very own Drizzt Done Right Discord. The Discord invitation, you know, it's it's linked in the podcast description. We have a few channels inside, like the Creature Feature, the Spoiler Room, where our Dim Light Squads, you know, they're able to take the discussion beyond the page. Mm -hmm. And when you bring up interesting points, you know we're going to share it in the show and, and talk about, well, you know, you. That's yep. what all the cool kids are doing these days. <laughs> You know, speaking of which, we'd like to thank this very special cool kid taking a moment, Armstrair, Armchair Astrologer1858 on our YouTube, which is, you know, for those of you who listen on the podcast, that's our video visual format. We're yep. waving at the camera right now. If you you're listening, check you us can't out there. see it. <laughs> <laughs> but check us out. Dressed on right. It's over there on the YouTube. And Armchair Astrologer said that, uh, you know, he also did boot camp at Fort Leonard Wood like I did. He said the humidity, the bugs, the cattle cars, the trauma, definitely trauma. I can, you know, I can, I can relate. Uh, I find it for myself, it's funny how some of the most horrible stuff that we go through can be looked at you know, almost fondly sometimes, right? It's, it's like the person that we become as we grow is forged by the turmoil that we go through. It's like a crucible of sorts, right? Totally. Yeah. Sometimes it's all, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's neat that how perspective can change how you see it after a while. You know, 24-year-old Jeffrey didn't mind the heat and humidity so much. You know, 41-year-old Jeffrey would like central air conditioning and a nice fluffy cat behind me. On the YouTube, you can see the cat. For those of you who are listening, I, I had to dip back so you can look at the cat. <laughs> so they also thanked us for our care and attention to the story. They uh, might have gotten a little emotional. Right there in the fields. And, you know, honestly, it means a lot to us. I can't stress enough how cool it is to hear from you know, all of you. You know, whether it's in the, the, the email, the messenger, uh, in the Discord, the socials. Knowing that when we press record and you press play, that we meet in that moment across this wild and crazy world. It's a genuinely humbling experience. So, like, you know, thank totally. you every single time for your time. Yeah, totally. Like, have you ever thought about that, Justin, how crazy it is that we are essentially futuristic tin cans with a wax string with all of our listeners? Globally? It is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we've talked about it before on this show, but just I never expected to get as many listeners as we have. I mean, you know, we don't shout out rocking. to Haku in Japan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hiraku, right? Hiraku. Oh my goodness, my heart. <laughs> Sorry. <okay>. Yes. <laughs> it's what I it's uh, what I get when I try to genuinely recall it off the top of my head. No, I mean like when I first talked to you about doing something like this, it was like totally just like, you know, like whatever. We're like, we'll read it, we'll have our fun, we'll throw it out there, and if 
Ten my aunt will respond it, on Facebook right. and be like, way to go, Jeffrey. I'll get a nice thumbs up. And, you know, yeah, right. that'd I be mean, the six people that listen to us. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not hitting 10,000 people or anything like that. But we have a, Yet. a con- <laughs> we have a consistent 100 people that listen to just about every episode, which is just really cool. Yeah. Like we have 100 subscribers, over 100 subscribers, which is like, wow, that's, that's really awesome. So, right. no, that's awesome. And to genuinely capitalize off of him mentioning that we have hundreds of subscribers, Justin, what is on your chest? On my chest? Yeah. Oh, this thing. That well, thing, yeah. If uh, this thing, oh, well, I see you're, you also have one on I, your chest. I do. You can't see it as clearly in our YouTube. You could go and yeah. look and see exactly where we're at. But look. Justin's cam was a little better than mine. What is that, bud? Uh, this is a t-shirt that I had made for the podcast. What? It has our it has our logo right on it, Driz done right. Yes. Uh, and so if you want to check those out, you can see them on the YouTube. Uh, I don't currently have them for sale anywhere, but you know, if anyone is interested, it didn't quite turn out how I wanted it. Like, look, that's what prototypes but... are for. <laughs> So if you so, guys are at home missing out on Driz Done Right merchandise, shoot us an email. We don't have it yet. But, you know, hey, look, everything is a possibility. I oh, just totally. think it's really cool because I came home uh, from one day from, from work and I looked down and I'm like, oh, there's this package. It's probably Elizabeth. I looked down and said, like, what is it? Wait a minute. That's mine. Well, all right, cool. I got mail. So I open it. And I'm looking. And I was like, no, because like, I know the website. And I was like, right. Excellent. Now I opened it up and I pulled it out. There it is. It says Driz Done Right. It's the yep. one of the logos that your wife made for us. And I, yep. man, I love it. It fits yeah. well. I kind of like su- to walk around surpri- with it. Yeah, I totally had to surprise you with it. I was just like, oh, I need one of these and Jeffrey's going to need one too. So I just spent the, you know, few bucks. It wasn't expensive and just like, was like, yep, send one to Jeffrey. I'll take one myself. Again, it didn't quite turn out how I wanted it, but that just means we'll have to buy more. Look, this time next year, we'll be figuring out supply chains and shipping these things internationally by the tens of thousands. People will love it. Awesome. Well, how are you doing, Jeffrey? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, You know, I'm looking forward to diving into the meat of this book and, uh, you know, just rolling along with season two. It's it's, it's been a fun couple of weeks recently. I know we had that talk before with part one. Had a little time off in between it, and uh, yep. for myself, just cycling through a different work schedule as well now. And, yep. uh, you know, we're, we're trying to make it work as best we can, jamming it in there. And I just really enjoy the creative process of this. You know, I do oh, it's, the movie podcast it's... with Bobo, you know, the Robert yep. and Robbins radio, and we do the Red Dwarf there, and, you know, we, we keep busy and do it there. But it's, it's just something about being able to just... I don't know, man, sit behind the mic and be creative here and yeah. there. That's just totally. such a blast for me. And then, like, the two different mediums, man, look, I very love different. the fantasy stuff. Yeah. I like, well, it's I mean, I love different. being able to sit down and read well, through the books because it's like yeah. I, I am a reader by, by nature and by love. It's a passion yeah. of mine. So even if I wasn't doing a fantasy podcast, you can rest assured I'd still be reading You're right, a lot about right. it. Like, yeah. Netflix is going to be making the three-body problem with the guys from Game of Thrones, uh, Benioff and Weiss, Weiss, the directors. And okay. it's an internationally acclaimed story out of China that has uh, three parts to it. It's a very huh. sci-fi. It's a, the, the guy also did uh, Wandering Earth, which if you've seen, it's on the Netflix and some other stuff. It's about, like, the Earth starts leaving the orbit of the sun, so they put all Ooh. these rocket engines on one side and move the Earth. And it's, yeah, it's just a really cool... just 
I don't know, different kind of sci-fi than you would normally be used to. So I would definitely be digging into it. And, you know, man, I'm, I don't know. Looking forward to it. I love doing it. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Plus, so, I mean, look, <laughs> selfishly, get to sit here and have some fun time with my brother-in-law. How many guys get to actually <laughs> say that? You know what I mean? Right. And, I mean, we have a good two hours in between us as far as, you know, traveling to each other's houses. So it's nice to be able to, like, actually talk to each other, have something going on regularly. Uh, no, it's awesome. Now, for me, I'm uh, <clears throat> getting over a little bit of a cold here. So fair warning to our listeners. Um, this cough is just not quite going away. So once Jeffrey gets me laughing, things will start to loosen up and it'll, you know, I'm going to have to cough. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but I am loving this cooler weather, Jeffrey. I don't know if oh, you yeah. stepped outside this morning. Evidently, it it's like supposed fall. to get hot next week. But uh, no. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, somebody was telling me today. They're like, ah, it's supposed to be like the 90s. So I was like, oh, man, I oh, literally no. yesterday, the leaves just started to change. And I was like, oh, I can almost feel that fall air just coming in. Yeah. <sighs> I had to go out and get some Oktoberfest uh, yesterday. Well, I got a variety pack. Nice. And it came with this flannel fest. Um, oh. a Munich Dunkel. And boy, is that tasty. But Nice. Um, and then... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I've been doing a lot of cleaning around the house with my uh, extra days off here. Um, but that's about it. Excellent. Uh, why, don't, why don't we go ahead and jump into the show? Well, how about we leave old... reality behind, you're saying? Yeah, and totally. Get ourselves totally. started. <laughs> so, you know, now that we have the different parts, we're going to go ahead and kick it off. Let's start off with the insight check. So the nice part of this insight check is that we start right away Driz puts it right before us this is all about friendship you know it means different things in different places menzo berenson was it was friendship is generally born from mutual profit and the bond is secure until well, only until one side stands to gain more by eating the other side than by you know keeping them as allies right Driz hasn't had many friends i guess that's a understatement slightly but yeah. what they lack in quantity is definitely made up for in quality. You know, first and foremost among them is Zachnafane. He was a mentor and father, but he was also a friend as well. And then there was also Belwar. That's the, the, the deep gnome who was responsible for saving Drist's life. The city that he had been from. Well, now they knew friendship to mean something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Despite the intense labor involved in the endless toiling of mining stones. They understood that greater indeed are pleasures that are shared. Mm -hmm. Totally. No, I, I, I did enjoy that part um, <clears throat> where it's in Menzo Berenzon, um Friendships are basically formed when there's a mutual profit yep. that both parties have to like gain off of the, those friendships, right? Um, but... Once that profit is not there for one of the parties, that's when they break. And usually, the one party has no idea nope. that that friendship is broken, right? Like, that's, yeah, crazy. In the words of Survivor, that is a blind side. Oh, right. Yep, yeah. yep. No, and ironically, <laughs> that's how I play war strategy games. Well, real life look at it is me and you share a border and we share that border until it's actually more beneficial for me to take your resources than it is to share the border. 
Right. And so it's like yep. reading and seeing Benzo Barons, and they're like that to the 10th degree, though. I mean, they are oh, totally intense. Yeah. And it's like, so they don't even bother to wait. They, they, they're always looking for that first opening to, to end that friendship and take your resources. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Now, having done the insight check, that will lead us. I mean, maybe we should just give them the drizzt of it. You know, the Drizzt is the part of the show where we take a look at the next part of the book and then we give you, well, the Drizzt of it. So we start out and you have Chapter 7. It's the Most Honored Burrow Warden. The Deep, sum the deep Gnomes summoned the Most Honored Wur Burrow Warden, Belwar Disenculp, to come and see the drow who claimed to know him from the Underdark. At first, the drow looked the same as any other to Belwar, until he saw the lavender eyes. Drizzt. The drow responsible for Belwar being here today without his hands. The guard gives the command that King Schnicktick's order of death will stand, but Belwar quickly explains that he only stands here today because Drizzt tried to show mercy the best that he could all those years ago. Belwar's actually granted custody of Drizzt and listens as the drow pieces together the past ten years for him and for his time alone. I just need to say, you totally nailed the king's name there, Schnicktick. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I had every to read time that in my aloud. head, man. I too, I, I kind of head snap when I read it. Like it's like, yeah. Schnick to the left, tick to the right, like Schnick, Schnicktick. <laughs> no, I, I uh, didn't listen to the audiobook this time, and so I had to pronounce his his name out loud because I'm just like, woo. <laughs> yeah, no, like if you don't use the S C H as a sh sound. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a hard to see, like a K sound, like that. that yeah, be very, <laughs> very German, very German there. <laughs> that leads us into chapter eight, and a few weeks of time has passed between Drizzt and Belwar, slowly nurturing their friendship in the hut. Belwar returned one day from meeting with King Schnicktick, and Belwar wondered if the lives of the gnomes were so foreign and alien to Drizzt. Drizzt had found more than he ever hoped for inside a Blingden stone, and he was content to observe. But Belwar pushed him to go further, to go out among the young gnomes. Drizzt introduced himself and soon gets carried away recounting the story of the basilisk. He had only meant to entertain them, but realized almost too late that he had gone too far. The chapter ends and we see zombie Zachnafane moving forward with determination, chewing through the mushroom folk with no regard for their lives as he continues to seek only Drizzt. The Myconids try to come to the aid of their new king, but in the end, they all fall silently. I felt so bad during that scene. Especially because like, you couldn't even hear them scream. You know what I mean? Like they, They're sending right. spores repeatedly, at least the king is. Right. And it just falls on deaf ears because Zach Defane is just not affected at all not by yep. any of the spores yeah you know they mentioned he's on two different planes and i found yeah. that to be really interesting like you know I, I don't understand exactly how the spores work telepathically but to find out that they didn't work on him because his i guess what soul and body are in two different places right that was wild yeah it was very interesting <clears throat> then we come to chapter nine it's called whispers in the tunnel we see a deep known patrol that's led by Borough Warden Krieger. As they're out on patrol, they, they come upon a large number of goblin corpses and use a 
It's a communal telepathic bond to pass caution until they can be sure that the drow were gone. Now, they did not know that the drow were responsible, but, I mean, the precision and the brutality left little doubt in their minds that the drow were the only ones who could be responsible. So the responsible drow, though, actually watched from the shadows of the ceiling as undead Zachnafane observed the patrol. Yeah, he did. Ooh. How creepy is that to know how so close creepy. to just certain death all right. of those gnomes are without any idea? Yeah. It's how I feel every time I go to the beach because of Jaws. Like, I know there's a shark, and it's somewhere in that yes. giant expanse of water. I just yep. don't know how close it is to me. But it's closer it, than I want it to be. It could be over on the other side of the world, or it could be 20 feet off off the shore, you know? like yeah. Back in Blingdenstone... King Schnicktick doesn't believe that it can be a drow invasion, but they have to be looking for something. So he draws obviously mm -hmm. parallels and realizes that they must be looking for something or, or someone. Mm -hmm. Drizzt must be watched at all times. Yeah, the king orders that the spy network be mobilized and their assets in Menzo Berenzen be activated. I thought that was a really cool part because... Ah, call me naive. I didn't really think about a king having a spy network across oh, totally. the Underdark. You know, right? They, of course they do. Of course they, they, they have spies and they talk to one another. And but yeah. I just, I was not prepared for that. Well, no, me neither. Because immediately my brain is just like, okay, like, how are they spying on the Drow? Do they have gnomes in Menzo Barons on that are like slaves, but somehow getting out? And no, and like they're all walking around with giant, shocking white hair wigs. Yeah, <laughs> they, they blend in it's amazing <clears throat> now as as time passes and patrols go on Zach Nefane watches it all from the shadows this chapter ends with the wraith trying to actually vocalize the city that he right. knew when he was alive right. Blingdenstone except for the wraith it actually comes out more of a snarl like <laughs> 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 Darn it. As all fans of uh, Fallout will know, that was probably a feral ghoul. <laughs> now, chapter 10, it's, I like the name of this one. It's called Belwar's Guilt. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, Drizzt continues to hang out with Seldig and his new friends as the days go by under the watchful eyes of Belwar, just to make sure that the hunter doesn't make any more appearances. Belwar understands what Drizzt has been through, and he's doing his best to rehabilitate him from the drama. A rhythm almost settles in until a visitor appears. Gwenevar shows up Woo! instead of Seldig one day. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh! And it's yeah. like this, this moment of joy and elation kind of. Totally, totally. And ironically, Drizzt also erupted in joy at the sight of his best friend. The gnomes now trust Drizzt with his possessions. He can pick them up at any time. And Drizzt is overcome with emotion for the gnomes as a race, like as a people. Mm -hmm. As well as his friend who stood in front of him and placed himself in Belwar's debt. <clears throat> him putting himself in Belwar's debt. But Belwar explained, you know, the deep gnomes don't consider friendship a debt. Back right. to the insight check. A few days later, another visitor shows up. Ah, but it's not Seldig. And it's not Guinevar. Well, 
Who was it? Well, it's actually Burrow Warden Brickers. Try saying that five times fast, right? That sounds like oh, one of those uh, TV shows you have. Like, Burden Warden Brickers! <laughs> <clears throat> he brought news of a new vein of ore that the king had ordered to be explored and asked for the presence of the most honored Burrow Warden. But Belwar declined and sent him on his way. Drizzt watched yeah. the exchange and he, he understood what was going on. Belwar always turned them away because he felt responsible for the losses all those years ago, the last time he'd gone out. Mm -hmm. The losses, ironically, that, well, Drizzt himself had had a hand in dealing out. Yeah. And so there's this weird moment where Drizzt actually uses his dark humor to push Belwar out of his grief. And he uses Belwar's pride almost like a lever to push him into a commitment to go explore the new vein. That was assuming, really fun. Yeah, assuming, of course, though, that, that Drizzt would come along. And there's this moment where you talk about being really fun. It, it, to me, it's right. It's like Drizzt practically kissed the gnome's forehead. I yeah. picture him like <clears throat> going up and putting both hands on the side of his face, like, go with you, of course. And he's like, you know, hopping around. He's energetic, like he's just had a gigantic yeah. box of sugary cereal. He was so excited to go. Now, Justin, I think it's it's really interesting here that Drizzt was able to use his sense of humor in order to like uh, yank Belwar out of his doldrums, and I, you know, I think it speaks towards that 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 kind of humor. You know that the humor was almost so unexpected that really it catches Belwar before he's ready. You know, Belwar's <laughs> putting up walls because he's so used to these moments right. in his life being painful. And uh -huh. harsh. And then suddenly Drizzt comes in there, slides in like, uh, you know, Kramer to Seinfeld. Hey, hey, Jerry! And just bam, right through, right through all yeah. of his walls. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's, you know, it's almost like he's explaining everything that happened in such a over-the-top braggadocious manner that Belwar is forced to laugh. He's like, uh -huh. doesn't even have a choice. You know, Drizzt is like, well, yeah, you know, that stuff did happen, but, bro, you're... Your party ran into me, and I led yeah. them, so they had no yeah. chance. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, what I thought was really interesting about that whole conversation was how Drizzt came out and told Belwar, like, hey, look, like, it's not your fault that all those people died. It's mm -hmm. my fault because I led the drow party to them. Yeah. And even like, and he, I think Belwar says something along the lines of like, well, if not you, it would have been some other drow. And Drizzt was like, no, no other drow would be able right. to Right, well, that. that's, that's where he hits him with the, that's what I mean by the right. the dark humor, where he's like, just like, you know, well, if not you, another. And he's like, ha I'm no other, bro. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, he talks and, about slaying the earth elemental, he talks about, it just, just yeah. stacks it on him. And it's like, well, that's what I mean, so over the top, where Belvoir's like, <laughs> well, you're so full of yourself, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, I, what I thought was interesting was the fact that Driz told him that, right? Driz said, like, no, like, those people died because I led the drow there. Mm -hmm. And Belwar doesn't blame him for it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that would be tough to think, like, you're responsible for killing a bunch of people or for a bunch of people dying. And then you find out, like, here's this person that led the charge. They're now, like, 
under your control, right? Like this, yeah. a very interesting situation. And I don't want to say that it's outside of Belwar's character because I mean that that's what his character does. But right, like to to not have an issue with that is just very interesting. But well, I guess I guess it I guess it all goes back to the idea that like Belwar eventually got caught and was going to be killed, but then Drizzt fought for him and mm -hmm. kind of built that trust back up. I guess that's what it comes back. So to. So allow me to nerd out for a second here in the middle of all this. <laughs> um, there's a movie called Kingdom of Heaven. And it's got uh, Orlando Bloom oh, in it. And I know what you're talking about. The Crusades. Right. And <clears throat> he it, it, it deals a lot with like mercenaries as well as him fighting uh you know General Salahuddin or Saladin from the uh, Arabian side. And okay. it's almost like this shared understanding of the battlefield breeds this familiarity so when you hear about like mercenaries in times like that you know they'll always fight until one side of the battle has been taken and then they, they you know they go off to go be mercenaries in another battle you know they're not interested in oh, butchering each other and continuing to slaughter one another they understand the dance that they're about to do for somebody else out right. there on this battlefield and so like the mercenaries will actually get along and they'll drink in taverns and they'll know one another even though they were just out there the other day you know shooting arrows at one another or trying to, to defend a, a gate while the other ones were trying to breach it and I always right. found that kind of interesting like that dynamic of right. you know just survival and trying to kill one another and then when you're not in bloodlust being like <laughs> you dumped boiling oil on <laughs> On Eric over there by the tower. I saw you. I saw you <laughs> smile when you did it. And the other guy like, yeah, you're right. Because you know what? I actually crop dusted the other three guys in that turret. You know, I let, I let one fly. We had beans <laughs> the night before. It was horrible. And they didn't believe that I'd get all these guys. And it, what they're actually talking about is atrocious things. But that's the life right. they live. And I feel like that's some way with, 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 uh, with, nope, almost, nope, that's, it's a character from the future. <laughs> <Sorry>. Later. <laughs> yep. No, I, with Belwar and with Drizzt, is it's, yeah, you know, they were both on that battlefield, but this is deep gnomes and drought. Yeah. Yeah. That goes way deeper than Drizzt and Belwar. And, oh, exactly. you know, that's just a, it's generations of slaughter, generations of enslavement, generations of living next to your, your neighbor who literally sometimes just comes by and slaughters, yeah, 5% of your civilization. Right, yeah. And so again, uh, but this guy though, out of all of those, even though you lost your hands, took a moment to show you kindness. And the other guy in the same way in that moment when those things were there said, you know what, at least I'll take your head quickly. And they just found that bonding moment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought that was really interesting. But that, no, I, I don't remember. I, I think I saw that movie one time, Kingdom of Heaven, back when it like first came out. So that was- <sighs> I've seen it too many times. Years ago, years yep. ago. So I don't remember much of it at all other than the fact that orlando bloom was in it but i have to watch that one again yeah and you know what it is not a great historical representation of the oh, no? several crusades but it's a really neat look at the psychology of that whole time frame and and, and okay. set of events because there's more than one set of crusade you know there's more than oh, one totally yeah yeah right it's a back yeah. and forth that lasted for a long time and it's like it's, centuries right yeah so it was just kind of cool yeah. to see it, though. And, you know, back then, Orlando Bloom was a pretty pretty in-demand actor. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So then the crew actually goes out to mine the ore and everything goes smoothly until they start making their way back home. This being the deep gnomes, Belwar and Drizzt out on patrol. Yep, Didn't yep, want to get yep, everybody yep. sidetracked, which <laughs> jumping right back onto it. And then they suddenly stumble upon mm, 30 goblins, give or take several who might or might not have joined up for the goblin union patrol. <laughs> the gnomes prepare to hunker down and they hope that maybe the goblins will just pass on by. You know, they have this really neat idea of trying to avoid conflict, which is completely foreign to Drizzt. Right. So as they hunker down, Drizzt actually has another idea, and it's one that Burrow Warden Brickers really wants to be a part of. So much that he volunteers and takes the place of Belwar in yeah. this this thing with the again with a drow that he trusts yep. so much because of his reverence for Belwar. So they go and put on a ruse, and Drizzt walks in front of thirty goblins, give or take yep. several who may have been out having a you know break in the outhouse. And he's using Brickers as his prisoner. And Driz yells that these tunnels now belong to the drow. He's here to claim them. And before the goblins can actually ask too many questions, the approaching noise of the other gnomes, led by Belwar, spooks them into fleeing. Driz and the gnomes, they return triumphantly, which is far better than actually what happens to the goblins, as they ended up running into, well, undead Zachnafane. And unlike the mushroom men... No, sorry, exactly no, like the Mushroom yeah, Men. Yep, exactly like that. They all fall right before the Blades of Zactophane. Yep. I found it interesting because, you know, this, the the the, <laughs> the goblin leader comes up. He's like, I know I'm going to get pointed out by my men. We yep. just saw the other drow. Hey, drow, I get it. We'll move on now. And yeah. no yeah. answer except yeah. for Zactophane pressing forward and just bringing death. I felt bad for them. You know, you don't often feel bad for goblins, but this time it was like, okay, like they got right scared. now. They, 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 I'm averaging once a book, man. Yuck, yuck in book one. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And uh, now yep. we bring it back. And like, you know what? That leader yep. was really just middle management. Totally. And he did not deserve that. He probably so, was just like Steve Carell in the office, had a world's best boss mug and everybody <laughs> kind of made fun of him because he had no spine. But did not deserve to get butchered by Zach. <laughs> so, yeah, so undead Zach. We are now two for two books that uh, have yeah. goblins that we pity. <laughs> if there's a relatable goblin in book three, this is going to be a running theme. Oh, totally. <laughs> so chapter 11 is called The Informant. And part two actually rounds out with chapter 11. We get a glimpse of the spy network that was mentioned earlier. Counselor Ferbal of Blingdenstone. I don't know why that reminded me of Star Wars, but it's like, Counselor Ferbal of oh, Blinded no, see, Stone. You want to talk about reminding you of Star Wars? I thought the goblin thing with the prisoner, you know, the fake prisoner ah. and all that. I thought that was like Star Wars. <laughs> right? Han and the Wookiee. <laughs> so Ferbal of Blinded Stone is waiting at the designated place by himself. Well, I mean, he may have stashed like a small army nearby of gnomes with some spellcasters and uh, I mean, every safe measure he could think of, a uh, kitchen sink or two. But he had good reason. He was here to meet their informant. He was here to meet the drow. Ferbal was on edge as the drow swaggered in and brandished his trademark grin. What? Showcasing his braggadocious nature. There can be no mistaking Jarlaxle. What? He literally seems to be everywhere that profit can be made. 
Totally. Profit in this point in particular is the price of 30 agates, and all that does is actually begin the transaction. And Jarl Axel explains that Menzo Berenson is not at war with Blingdenstone. There will be no invasion. A single house. Just one. So I mean, it might, might be on a mission. It might be on a particular mission. <laughs> For 10 agates per question, you can keep on asking. And, well, suddenly, Counselor Furble's pocket gets a lot lighter. Uh, you know, a few unnecessary questions lighten it a few, <laughs> few agates more. And then the pact is made and Furble gets the information that King Schnicktick so desperately seeks. Drist Doerden's mother is looking for him, and there would be hell to pay if anyone got in her way. Lulth the Spider Queen demands retribution, and even if Matron Malice fails, there will surely be more in her place. Mm -hmm. When Furble brings the information back to King Schnicktick, the decision is made that Drizzt must leave, even though he's done nothing wrong. Belwar can actually smell this act about a mile and a half away. Mm -hmm. And he is furious. I yeah. loved this part of the book because I can picture him like just kicking over the nightstand, tipping things over. I mean, just just rage, like cowards. Totally weak. Yep. And then ironically, Drizzt understands. Yeah. He responds with patience, like much like you said earlier, where you thought that Belwar would have been angry. In a moment like this, I mean, being thrown out for doing nothing, except you could understand Drizzt, especially being a drow, being furious. But no, right. Drizzt just responds with patience and gratitude, and he hopes that no harm falls upon the gnomes. He's led back to Belwar's house, and he actually gathers his stuff. He makes his way out, and he's greeted and hailed by all of those that he's come to know during his time here. All of them but Belwar. It kind of makes a, a sad note at that point. It's kind of kind of odd. Then the gates finally close and the silence settles in and, and everything just starts to bring back those those memories. You know, the hunters right on the edge. Oh, yeah. like he could yep. feel all those, those just familiar just quiet, that, that desolate mm -hmm. silence. And it's suddenly shattered as Belwar finally puts in his appearance with his friend. But he refuses to say goodbye. Now, now they'll travel together. I was like, oh, that is so neat. You know, that's the, it's, yeah. it's everything Drizzt had wanted. Now, you know, not going any further than where we're at in part two right now. You know, when Drizzt met Kelnaz back in the, in the Grand Tournament, he thought he had somebody who would stand by his side. He could be loyal with somebody who yeah. he had met who would be a warrior. And he got betrayed. He got betrayed every single turn, every single time. And then suddenly Belwar forsakes his own people to go with the drow who is semi-responsible for him having those cool mithril hands. I kind of picture like Gambit, like they're always glowing. But, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he just says, you know what? Look, King Schnicktick, you've got, a, you've got a, a streak of cowardice back there with your, your liver that can't drink gnomish ale, you, you <laughs> stinker. And just <clears throat> takes off. He'd rather go... Rough it with his friend, Drizzt. Yeah. No, that was a very cool part of the book. Because, yeah, it was like, where is Belwar? When everyone's saying goodbye and everything, and just like, yeah. where is he? It's where a noticeable he? missing difference where you're yeah. like, man, he must have been so mad that he just couldn't yeah, even right. bring himself to watch Drizzt leave. He, he would just, well, you know, he was just too overcome with emotion. Yep, yep. And that's kind of like what, what you... 
what you think the first time you read through this is just like, oh man, he's so mad he's not even showing up. But it's like, oh well, like his friend would probably like to say goodbye. Like it's kind of selfish of him, and it's like, right. oh no, he's he's totally the opposite of selfish right now. Yeah. He's given all that up. He's given up the safety of Blingdenstone to go traverse the Underdark. He's like most honored borough warden this and just takes off. <laughs> and yeah, I did think it was very interesting how Driz responded to that. You know, just like very thankful that he ever had the chance to ever even be in Blingdenstone. You know, um, I guess he he's just like in his head, just kind of like, well, you know, I should have been dead long ago. It's amazing because so, when he first shows up, he won't enter because he knows they'll kill him. Right. Then he enters because he figures death would be better than the silence and the degradation yep. of his, hum well, not his humanity, his drow manity. Yeah. Then, then death. Yeah. So he goes in and they don't kill him. And he literally seems to cherish every single gnome and yeah. every single day inside of that place. And he's ready to, 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 to go out and accept any consequences that come for his ability to have at least had that time. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So awesome. It's a very selfless, like, you know. Oh, totally. Uh, almost like a samurai warrior code right. of how <laughs> you're going to live your life. And yeah, I think it's cool. It's very cool. Awesome. Awesome summary there, Jeffrey. Let's go ahead and jump into the part of the show where we talk about our favorite parts, the dim light reel. The dim light reel, it's where we cast darkness on our favorite parts of this week and dim light all of our favorite characters, events, descriptions, and more. <clears throat> so my dim light this week is a plot point, specifically when Drizzt was describing his encounter with a real life basilisk while in the Underdark. Uh, I feel like Drizzt wasn't really trying to impress the deep young gnomes, uh, the young deep gnomes rather, uh, by telling this tale, but rather he saw that they were interested and almost entranced by him to the point where Drizzt didn't want to disappoint. And knowing that, um, okay. I mean, the, the only problem here was he didn't speak their language. There was this enormous language barrier. So how right. else... How else do you describe a situation to them, right? So Driz was struggling to accurately describe his tactics um, against this dangerous beast. So instead of trying to talk his way through it, he rolled a performance check. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> he did. He literally did. Yep. Uh, so uh, during Driz's performance, he picked up two wooden poles they were meant to be his scimitars. And then he LARPed his way through the whole battle. <laughs> oh, bravo, sir. Bravo. <laughs> uh, he showed the young Zverf Nebli how he cast, uh, how he first cast darkness on the monster's head and then focused on destroying the monster's eyes to prevent himself from getting turned into stone. And then he went to work on that thick natural armor, right? Just like <laughs> beating away on this thing. Can you imagine just the the cultural difference of these young deep gnomes watching this drow, this vicious boogeyman drow, and it's over there. He can't really speak, so he gets out some grunts and some unintelligible words, but he does, you know, he's able to communicate. Then he's like, 
in the eye. Just ripped out its other eye. Like <laughs> that is an R-rated performance check, and he it's smashed like it. A, yeah, it's like uh, Ralphie in the Christmas story when he's beating up the bully. It's <laughs> <laughs> like cursing away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't tell what he's saying. <laughs> You're just sitting there, jaw agape. Whoa. <laughs> uh, the only problem with this LARPing session was that at a certain point, Drizzt got lost within his own mind as the hunter emerged and took the wheel. So when I read... Um, when I read, rather, when I uh, read a book, I have a tendency to visualize everything. I don't know if you do the same, Jeffrey. Um, but <clears throat> so I kind of structure it. So while I'm reading, uh, I kind of put together this miniature movie in my brain, right? Yeah. Now, you know, it's um, interesting you say that because for me, I don't have the most visual imagination, but that's how it is for me when I read a book. And that's why I really like to like read a book. Because it oh, really stimulates that part of my mind to be able to see what's right. being described. Maybe it's the ADHD, so I'm always bouncing around when something's like happening or being described. I'm trying to use my imagination. But when I'm okay. forced to sit and read a book, it's almost like falling into a rhythm of watching a movie where it's like, and then next, and then next. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you. How mm -hmm. are you with um, – this is totally off subject. So like if you're uh, planning on painting a room mm – -hmm. Are you able to visualize what a room would look like with it, like in a certain color? Not really well. I'm more better okay. at the okay. geospatial, like uh, the the outline and architecture of the room. Yeah, like the walls, okay. All right. distance, shape. Yeah, I feel like we have a similar mindset in that way. I cannot do that. Where yeah. my wife is like, I think this color with this color as like an accent. I'm just like. Oh, I have no I need idea. swatches. <laughs> Not even that, honestly. Like, I'll hold it up there. And it's like, you know, imagine this on the whole room. I can't do that. But, but yeah, similarly, like, while reading a book, it's uh, very visual while, I, while I'm reading. So um, I bring this up because the way I pictured this part of the scene um, would actually, like, the way I pictured it, if it were a movie would involve some very cool visual effects. So the way I looked at it was, as Drizzt was being withdrawn into his mind and the hunter emerged, uh, I envisioned Drizzt sort of entering this large portal, or more like this portal kind of like starting on one side and like waving over top. Okay. And it's like this real thick purple wavy border that's like passing through, right? And, <clears throat> excuse me, as the portal enveloped Drizzt, he was visually in the underdark right so like as he passed through it was just like he went from blingdenstone just like into the underdark and now he wasn't drizzed right now he was the hunter and he was fighting a very a very realistic basilisk and then yeah once the portal passed over him entirely drizzed was gone and it was only the hunter that had control so that that's how I like envision that. I'm just like, oh, that would be so cool to see as like a movie, you know, just that that visual effect. I like it. Um, yeah. Uh, so the hunter ferociously ferociously attacked the fake basilisk, showing his true raw power. The smiles on the youngsverf nebly quickly faded as they became uneasy with the display. Even after destroying the fake basilisk to the point. Uh, where a real basilisk would have been dead, the hunter continued. 
Luckily, Belwar yeah. was either watching from afar or heard the commotion. He quickly intervened before Drizzt accidentally hurt someone else, thinking that they were like a lurker or a, 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 a hook horror or something Cave like that. Fisher right? or, you know, <laughs> an elephant. <clears throat> and so Belwar showed up, and then I think Drizzt like went unconscious or something after that. It was just like mentally exhausted, and uh, Belwar just carried him back to his hammock in the stone hut. Uh, so I I chose this dim light this week uh, because of how cool the scene would be on the big screen, and two, uh, because Belwar's response really hit me in the feels. Belwar could have seen this and immediately jumped to the conclusion that this drow is dangerous and he needs to leave the city. He can't stay here. He's going to hurt somebody. He's going to kill somebody. Um, but instead, Belwar recognizes that Drizzt had been through a lot while living in solitude in the Underdark. And rather than giving up on a good soul, he was determined to help the drow cope with this trauma as he was introduced into a normal society. I, I almost said reintroduced into a normal society there, but I don't feel like Menzo Berenzon, um would be classified as a normal society. Yeah, no, if that's normal <laughs> as a baseline, we've got some problems. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like we can really all learn something from Belwar's uh, response to Drizzt here. Just the fact of being very accepting uh, to people that carry a little bit of baggage. So Yeah, I mean, that's and, what... and look at the strength it shows in kindness, too, right? Where it would be really easy to let fear judge or taint your judgment, like you said about seeing him <clears throat> attacking the basilisk near the kids it could have been really easy to be like oh my goodness he's gonna be hurt somebody he's gonna he's a right. danger to others and instead really just kind of worrying about keeping him from being a danger to himself yeah you know and belwar is able to exhibit strength in the character by showing kindness instead of showing strength by lifting giant rocks or killing basilisks or and it's yeah. like you know you could argue that it's almost stronger because he's able to to stop drizzt Right. With kindness, like how crazy right. that kind of moment is. <laughs> <clears throat> now, for me, I guess it's a similar play or moment, but I, I actually took Drizden Belwar's conversation from chapter 10. That's going to be okay. my, uh, <laughs> my dim light reel. I almost went straight into my dungeon delve. I was like, I don't have any <laughs> stat blocks for this conversation. <laughs> but no, the conversation in chapter 10, it's titled Belwar's Guilt. I told you when I was going through it in the Drizzt that I mm -hmm. really liked that name. And I found that, you know, this one hit me like a sack of stones. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the gnomes. <laughs> Maga Kamara. By the stones. Drizzt just got his friend back from the gnomes in Guinevar and he, re he notices that, you know, Belwar's a bit hesitant to leave his home. And he finally feels confident enough to speak up. It starts with most honored Burrow Warden as another gnome shows up on Belwar's doorstep, explaining about a new vein of ore that's been found. The gnome asks Belwar to accompany him, and you can kind of see Drizzt, I don't know, open up to the kindness that's shown to Belwar here. But Belwar just shakes it off as a courtesy call. Ah, they all come by and do that. They don't really yeah, want me. They do it all the time. Yep. And he just goes about his business. But Drizzt won't let it go. And you know, he jabs at him with sarcasm. What, you're, you're not worthy to march beside them? Belwar shrugs and Drizzt, he scowls at him. 
task. I've seen yeah. you at work with your mithril hands. You'd be no detriment to any party. Indeed, far more. Do you so quickly consider yourself crippled when those about you do not? You know, Belwar slams his hammer down, his hammer hand down, and he puts an actual crack in the stone table and he growls fiercely. I can cut rock faster than a lot of them. And if monsters descended upon us, he trailed off, waving his hands as weapons. And the gnome calls back in the house in respect to Belwar, says they're going to miss his presence, and Drizzt just continues to dive into his friend. Why then? If you were as competent as all, yourself included, agree, why do you remain behind? I know the love the Sferf Nebuli have for such expeditions. Yet you are not interested? Nor do you ever speak of your own adventures outside of Blingdenstone. Is it my presence that holds you at home? Are you bound to watch over me? And Belwar is almost offended that Drizzt would doubt their trust. I mean, they just gave him back his weapons. Right. That's when it hit Drizzt. It was the fight. He realized that Belwar blamed himself for the loss of his kin. He saw the tears that rimmed his eyes. And Drizzt remembered that battle vividly, as did Belwar. Frozen in their thoughts, caught in the very same web of guilt. Belwar looked up, confused. And Drizzt explained that he led the raid against Belwar. And none could have led it as well. After all, he had defeated the Earth Elemental, and if he were absent that day, then far more gnomes would have actually made it home. And Belwar didn't believe him. Belwar continued, you know, making... Or, but Drizzt continued, making jest that, you know, really, Belwar had no chance against a patrol led by the mighty Drizzt. And despite the pain, Belwar chuckles. Drizzt explained the only shoulders that should bear responsibility were Menzo Berenson the evil city that forced its inhabitants to such violent extremes. And Belwar explained that, you know, all borough wardens are charged with the responsibility of their group. They call the expedition and they must accept the responsibility of every decision. Drist pressed him and explained that Belwar didn't have a choice. He was a victim of circumstance and responsibility. The gnomes had found a rich cache of ore, and it was their way to mine it. If not Belwar, it would have been another. Mm -hmm. Drist explains that they honor him, but Belwar feels pity? And Drist cries out, Do you need their pity? Are you less than they? A helpless cripple? Belwar says, Never. Then go out with them, Drist yells. See if they truly pity you. I do not believe that at all, but if your assumptions prove true, if your people do pity their most honored borough warden, then show them the truth. Show them the truth of Belwar Disengel. If your companions mantle upon you neither pity nor blame, then do not place either burden upon your own shoulders. And this moment struck me so hard because it was two individuals who had shared such an extreme traumatic event and we're on mm. different sides of it, affected by it differently. But they find themselves together in that same moment. And they're using their companionship in order to progress forward, to see the event from different sides and free themselves 
of the guilt that they've been carrying. Mm-hmm. At least that's, that was, that's what I think. That was a very intense conversation. Thank you. I even it did was, a little bit of voices and some inflection. Kind of <laughs> got into it there. Uh, it was probably my number two, like my second choice for a, for a dungeon. Uh, I almost said dungeon delve for a dim light <laughs> reel. It was, oh man, it was so intense. Um, and it could have easily turned into just like uh, Belwar just being like, nah, I, I, no, I don't go on those things. And Drew's just being like, okay. And, you know, like nothing ever turning, yeah. turning about, you know, yeah, like, like nothing two ever guys happening with sitting him. at a table, both drinking right. a cup of coffee, just mm. <clears throat> because that's what their life has been together so far. Just like not talking. Right. Right. This is like the the first deep conversation that the two have. And yeah, it was tense. And when Belwar turns with his eyes, like all like water, I'm just like, oh no. Yeah. That's one of those moments that you were talking about. Like cinematically, I could see like just that fatigue in the red rimmed tear filled eyes. I was like, oh man, the whiskers of his beard, the, the, the the crags in his, in his face. Like, oh, (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, <clears throat> let's see uh, if there's any way that we're able to link this week's uh, chapters in uh, the Dungeon Delve. Delve into the dungeon. The Dungeon Delve. It's the part of the show where we link this week's reading with our favorite tabletop role-playing game. Uh, so <clears throat> this week, um, I decided to do something I don't do often. Um, I made a stat block for an NPC. Nice. So let me just preface this with, I have very little experience making stat blocks, uh, for NPCs. Um, you know, generally, uh, when I want, like when I'm forming a story, I will, find a creature in the monster manual and then design a story around that. Um, Sometimes if I have like um, a specific character or class that I want, I'll go through and like make the character like a PC, like a player, a player character, but I don't make a lot of NPCs. So I tried it. So (laughs) we'll see. But instead of making an an NPC from scratch, I just spoiler alert people. He (laughs) hit a home run, knocked it out of the park. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no pressure, know. buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, instead of making an NPC from scratch and really butchering the balance of the whole, like, yeah, I started with uh, a couple different creatures and kind of combined them together. So, may I present to you... You have a monstrosity. Belwar Disengulp. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I tried making a... A stat block for Belvoir. It's probably not great, but I'll put it on the Discord and uh, you guys can check it out. But obviously, with Belvoir being a Zverf Nebli, I started with their stat block. There's a Zverf Nebli, a, a deep gnome stat block in the monster manual in the, I think, Appendix B. And, oh no, 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 no. They're actually in the monster manual. And then from there, I increased a few stats, adjusted some, uh, some abilities, and... Here is the basis of what I ended up with. So Belwar Disengulp is a small humanoid with an AC of 15. Um, 67 health, point, uh, health points. I bumped those up good. 
uh, based off of like the Sperm- the Deep Gnome stat block. Yeah. Uh, I think they only had like 16 health or something like oh. that. I was like, Bel- Belwar needs a little bit more than that. He's a brawny uh, so, boy. Oh, yeah. I, I You know, he might even <clears throat> want to have a little bit more. But I guess it depends how you roll. I put the stat block also, together. Also, like, what level do they give that stat block at? Because Belwar wouldn't be a level two most honored Burrow Warden. Right, yeah. So, I don't know. It really depends at where where you want to stick them in your campaign. Um, Let's see. Being uh, a I'd like deep to be gnome, Belwar. Thank you. <laughs> Seems like a guy's guy. <laughs> Being a deep gnome, uh, they probably, gnomes, I think, have like 25 speed, 25 feet, but I gave him 20. Um, I guess that's what the deep gnome default is. I played around with the base stats a little bit, uh, giving him a plus three to strength, plus two to dex, plus three to con, plus one to intelligence, plus zero to wisdom, minus one to charisma. But honestly, wisdom, wisdom. I feel like maybe I have that switched. I feel like yeah, maybe wisdom should be up one that, and intelligence he seems to down one. Know intrinsically yeah. about stuff, <clears throat> not so much academically right yeah so probably what i should have done is had uh plus zero intelligence plus one wisdom and then minus one charisma uh so i i decided to make him a challenge rating of two deep gnomes are normally a challenge rating of one half uh, (laughs) because along with normal deep gnome skills i gave him multi-attack okay right he's got two hands he, he, he can attack with both of his uh, both of his hands, his war pick and his war hammer, um, both of course being, you know, attached to his arms. Uh, so, like I said, I will be posting this stat block on the Discord. Um, so there's a little bit of extra motivation for you if you're not on our Discord. How can they find on. the invitation? <clears throat> it's in the episode description. Excellent. So you can go ahead and click that link, or copy it and paste it into a URL or whatever. And it'll take you right to our Discord. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> so log on. Let me know what other adjustments you would make. Uh, I would love to hear about them. Jeffrey, what do you have for this this week? So, fittingly, with Halloween right around the corner and fall coming up, I went with G-O-B-L-I-N-S goblins <laughs> all right look this is the time where we be honest with you right so for my dungeon delve i actually had a couple of other things that i looked up and well honestly i wasn't able to get an answer that really worked for me i thought it was really cool that the undead existed on two planes uh but that was cool all i could find was that there was a material plane and a spiritual realm right so in-depth links were tough to come by, and I then immediately moved on. And then I was really kind of intrigued by the fact that the Deep Gnomes, well, they have this communal telepathic bond. And it turns out I was probably so intrigued because I, I couldn't actually find anything about it to be able to cite and uh, let you guys know. Hmm. So since that was really tough, I then pivoted and went to Goblins. Now, gotta know, gotta know when to pivot. Right, right. I say that tongue in cheek because I, you know, I mock the goblins, but honestly, goblins are such a staple race of the D and D world. You know, so for me, I went into what is it, D and D community wiki as well as the Forgotten Realms fandom page, and this is what I found. 
you get a dex increase of two, but you are looking at a negative one penalty to strength, wisdom, and charisma. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, goblins aren't about to start charming the, I was going to say the pants off anyone, but I don't even know if goblins wear pants. <laughs> goblins do reach adulthood at about eight years old, and they live to be about 60. They're small, normally about three to four feet, and they weigh about 40 to 60 pounds, generally. Poor yuck yuck. As you can tell by that description, genetically, they're at a severe disadvantage when it comes to actually trying to physically intimidate anything. Yeah. As this is such, their speed is 30 feet. They get a dark vision of up to 60 feet, but they can't see colors in the dark vision. I don't know if this is for oh, all races or not in dark vision, but they only see shades of gray. They actually also have this really cool feat. It's called what is this, Fury of the Small. And what this means is it says when you damage a creature with an attack or a spell that's a, a size larger than you, then you can cause the attack to deal extra damage to this creature equal to your level, usable one time, and it recharges on a rest. Now, for those of you listening, there, there's, a, there's a dramatic pause right there. And if you want to go onto YouTube real quick, you can see Justin's got his finger in his dimple trying to figure <laughs> out that something sounds off. And that's because it's a homebrew. Except I really liked it, so I'm going to throw it in here. <laughs> try to try to just sneak it past him you know go right when he's looking left <laughs> what they uh, they do have actually as well is a uh, nimble escape and this means that the goblin can disengage or hide as a bonus action that's yeah. standard to the goblins i just want to include yeah. fury of the small because that's that's pretty cool it, it's interesting you would think i mean i guess it's fury of the small right mm -hmm. like uh i don't know you would think that you would get a chance to do extra damage if you were attacking something smaller than you. But here they're attacking something bigger than you. Yeah, and you know what it, it uh, speaks of? If you've ever seen a Pomeranian, okay? <laughs> they look cute. <laughs> they look uh, adorable. They do. But they have a mouthful of small sewing needles, and they are vicious. And they're not going to attack okay. a smaller part. They're going to attack you. Or me, and uh, for those of you who are listening and not looking on YouTube, I'm six foot three, solidly 270 pounds. That dog will bite me in the ankle and try to break skin, and it will give no hoot that I am much bigger than it. So it's like Fury right. of the Small really tickled me in like my funny zone, and I had to, I just wanted to keep it. No, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm like the kid with the with the with the stray. Like, hey, Justin, can we keep it? Can I just <laughs> add it to the creature feature? <laughs> That thing probably has rabies. Put it back where he found it. <laughs> it probably does. Uh, so they wear leather armor. They have a shield, which gives them an armor class of 15. They have a stealth of plus six. And honestly, when I saw this the first time, I, 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 15 minutes ago, no, I, mm -hmm. I thought that that was off. But it, I mean, you, what you said made sense. Yeah. You would you yeah. mentioned that they're very ambushy by nature. You know, totally. Being a small yeah. creature, too, they're probably going to be a little harder to find. Absolutely. They speak two languages, Amun and Goblin. Which I find hilarious because, do you guys recall? Yep. Yeah. Every time you guys were trying to interrogate that goblin or whatever, like, you're... 
you're like trying to communicate it with it and the goblin's just like i speak common yep we're like wait who speaks in goblin and then we're all we're all translating to that person tell the goblin that i don't like his shoes or something silly and the the, the, goblin's just like i speak common i'm right here and i can hear you So when it comes to an attack, they uh, they usually use a scimitar or a short bow. The scimitar gives it a plus four to hit, and it's got a reach of five feet. On a hit, the victim is going to take one d six plus two slashing damage. The short bow is ranged, and it gets a plus four to hit as well, but it has a reach of between eighty to three hundred and twenty feet, and it does a one d six plus two, but. It's piercing damage, not slashing. Now, Justin, I have a question. With when it says that it mm-hmm. has a reach of between you know, eighty and three twenty, that means that if I'm shooting between those numbers, I am normal rolling, and then outside so, of them, I'm at a disadvantage. No. So, um, if the creature is directly next to you, five feet away, you have disadvantage. Right? That's okay. pretty standard with any ranged attack. Uh, Ten feet up to eighty feet is a standard roll and then, oh, 80, okay. so and then, then 80 feet up to 320 is at disadvantage okay now i sound silly actually when i think about it the other way <laughs> never mind yeah anything above 320 it's physically incapable of shooting that far which makes sense there has to be a limit on that right it's fair yeah it's fair tying it back into the last kingdom there's a part where he marks out the distances for the trebuchets because they can oh, only really? shoot so far but if you have a range oh, cool. you can then put markers to but, know how right. you're shooting and calling it out yeah right oh that's cool maybe fairy fire would help in a, in a situation like that <clears throat> oh totally now goblins they often have short tempers and are they're more easily provoked they find it difficult to overcome this short fuse and they have a sense of greed that actually makes it, I don't know, altruistic actions. Not impossible, but very difficult. Mm-hmm. They do favor ambushes, overwhelming odds, dirty tricks, any other edge that they can devise when it comes to battle. Really, a fair fight is meaningless in goblin society. Goblins are run by the strongest among them. And being such a small race, this actually leaves them prone to being overwhelmed and run by larger races, specifically, in this case, hobgoblins or bugbears. All right. Uh, So, while you were talking about goblins, it just reminded me of, of a book that I read about a goblin it was like in the perspective of the goblin and now i'm like trying to look it up but i can't find it so Bedtime this is gonna stories be with yuck yuck it's um no it was called like i want to say like goblin quest or something like that it was it was basically a comedy like it was really funny but it was like in the in the perspective of this goblin and these adventurers like came adventuring down through the goblins territory and somehow this goblin gets tied up with the adventurers and everything um a bunch of the goblins quote friends die he was like picked on i think you're right it seems that uh, by putting in a small snippet of what you had described for a plot line that it's a goblin's tale it's the iron teeth trilogy Oh, have you read it before? No, no, no. There's a Reddit thing that just came up real quick, and I'm really reading it. It says, A Goblin's Tale by Scott 
Strauen is a goblin. Mm. Interesting. He's on point of view, blah, blah, blah. So it's like the keywords came up. And it seems like that at least is what Google thinks you were talking about. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But he does have a pet spider that like, it's a fire spider that like lights on fire when he, when it gets anxious oh, wow. or scared. So it, it's, it, it reads like a comedy. Like it's, it's a funny story, but, um, just read, reading or listening to you talk about goblins just reminded me of that. So I figured I'd share if I can find, uh, I have the book somewhere, but if I can find it, I'll, uh, try to get that uh, title out there if people want to read it. I know it's not a Drizzt book, but it's uh, some. It, it's a goofy read about goblins. So you're right. It's the Goblin Quest. Goblin Quest. Goblin okay. Quest because it says yeah. Smudge the Fire Spider. Smudge. Yep. Smudge the Fire Spider. Yeah. It's been a few years since I read that, but I remember really enjoying that. Again, it reads like a comedy. It's it's pretty funny. Um, he gets himself into some crazy situations and. Um, it's a good read anyway, but this is a show about Drizzt, but so let's continue. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Um, it's right past the dungeon dub. Where does that take us? We are at the, yeah, um... that, that, that's, that's the end, Jeffrey. No, uh, right, right it past the end. It's the... <laughs> no, <laughs> oh uh, dear. I believe we've run out of space. Yeah. I, I, yep. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember that if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. Also, make sure you're getting the most out of this podcast. Pick up a copy of the book and read along with us. If you don't have time to read, uh, pick up the audiobook. And the next, um, you know, listen to the next part whenever you have a spare minute. Uh, when you've read the next part, shoot us an email at drewstonewrite at gmail.com or log on to our Discord to join in on the discussion there. Remember... We would love to hear from you. Ladies, gentlemen, interstellar life forms and cybernetic creatures who may or may not have traveled from a different timeline to start a revolution. We're at the end of the episode. And if you look way over there, you can see the first rays of the next episode. They're so close. It's so close. Just peeking over the horizon. Justin has mentioned a bunch of ways that you can interact with us, so let me explain how you can donate to the show and help us grow a little faster. There's a link inside of the episode description, not just the Discord invitation link. There's one that says support this podcast. This one one right here. It's in the episode description. Whatever you can spare, we appreciate you. And until the next time you press play, it's never easy to say goodbye, so I like to say farewell. Play fair and be well, friends. 